it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Charts at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital. Hi, Katie. Hey, Keith. How are you? I'm great. You? I'm I'm feeling special. Oh, are you? <laughs> it's I'll, a special week, Keith. I'll tell you why in just a second, Katie. Okay. As always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show... We've got an interview with Cheryl Crow. Yay! Again. Again. Our second interview. Uh, she joined us uh, three years ago on the Pop Shop, and Katie talked to her then, and I have actually never talked to her until today. We've got to share the Cheryl love. Share the Cheryl <laughs> love. So stay tuned for that in just a moment. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, Visit billboard.com slash podcasts. Okay, so it is time for our interview with Cheryl Crow. Um, as you probably surmised, um, th- this whole show is going to be around Cheryl Crow. We have, a, we have a nice long chat with Cheryl, and we figured, why not just have a whole show around it? Why not? Why not? It's Cheryl Crow. Come hmm. on. Um, so we, uh, she called in from her house, her home studio, effectively, in Nashville, to talk about her new album, Threads, which came out fairly recently. It's a star-studded affair. Uh, every song is just stacked with some amazing A-list artists, from you know Chris Stapleton to Stevie Nicks to Marin Morris to Mavis Staples to Keith Richards. I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg. I counted, and there's it's just it's sort of insane all of the featured artists that are on this album, and it's basically kind of like this amazing kind of dream project for her that started off with just sort of one song that she did with one artist and I'll let you hear it in the interview and it just sort of snowballed into this larger project and um so we talked about how the project came to be um you know some of uh, the long relationships she's had with some of the people on the record and we sort of played a game as to guess who has the longest relationship with her which was kind of funny um and you know we just had a really really fun fun chat about music and what it means and how it kind of you know, impacts your memories about things in your life. So hopefully you enjoy the interview as much as I did doing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's our interview with Cheryl Crow. Welcome back to the Billboard Pop Shop podcast. Cheryl Crow, how are you? 
I'm good. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you so much for calling in. Um, where are you at right now? I think I want to say you're at home, right? I am at home. I'm in Nashville. I'm in between uh, playing gigs. So I've dropped my kids off at school and I'm having a little coffee and talking to you. Wow. Um, and I think I want to say you have a recording studio at home, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? I do. I have a recording studio above a, a working barn. So we have horses downstairs and recording upstairs. Okay. Is that now that a lot of soundproofing, I'm assuming, is involved there for the well, horses? Well, yeah. <laughs> In fact, originally it was a barn with just a writing room upstairs. And once we started soundproofing it so we didn't hear the horses or the leaf blowers, <laughs> um, we wound up having a studio. So, and you know, by all intents and purposes now, um, you know, you, you pretty much record into Pro Tools. So um, demoing is not that much different than actually recording for a record, at least at least the way we make our records. So I wound up soundproofing it um, originally for writing purposes, and it was soundproof enough to make records. So that's what we've done. It all worked out. We've made quite a few records up there. I'm going to guess you probably made some of the new album threads in there. Hey, made most of the Yes, made <laughs> most of the record up there. Made, uh, Casey Musgraves made quite a bit of her record up there. We've had a lot of different artists that you would know, who I won't mention, who go up there and just kind of experiment and explore what they're thinking about doing, because it's a nice getaway from industry. Wow. Well, um, I mentioned Threads. Uh, you recently released your new album, Threads, and it's an all-star affair. You're joined by, like, literally dozens of amazing collaborators and friends, uh, including Keith Richards and Stevie Nicks and Chris Stapleton and Bonnie Raitt, and I could go on. Um, and in fact, you actually told us three years ago on this podcast that you were working on the album at that time. So when did this project actually start? Has this been like a decade in the making sort of thing? <laughs> no, it actually started probably a little over three and a half years ago. And uh, obviously, uh, we took our time making the record. We didn't actually set out to make a record that was collaborations, but um, the impetus for the record was having recorded with Chris Christofferson shortly after the 40th anniversary of Austin City Limits. And um, Lisa, his wife, asked me if I would go in and record some of his material for him. And I think many people know, particularly in the music community, that he has been diagnosed with either a, a tick-borne dementia or maybe Alzheimer's. I'm, I'm not sure what the ultimate or what the um, what the diagnosis ultimately wound up being, but nonetheless, he he wasn't making memories anymore, and it struck me so working with him after having known him for nearly 25 years, and him having been such a profound inspiration for me as a songwriter. Um, what struck me was that music really is uh, the thread sometimes, um, or the tether. Uh, to all of your experiences throughout your life, you know, and particularly for him and his situation, it was his thread back to who he was. I mean, he he could tell me all kinds of things about the way he recorded this and what went down with that, you know, from the 60s, the 70s, even the 80s. And um, but then he he couldn't remember that we had just recorded something like five minutes ago. Mm -hmm. And just the physicality of music and the the inexplicable um, 
relationship that it has to not only our brains, but just our molecular makeup. You know yeah. how, like Carlos Santana says, music really changes the molecules in all of us when we have an experience with music. And I wanted more of that. So I called Steve Jordan, who's a fantastic producer, but also a dear friend and said, look, I, I want more of the, these kinds of experiences with the people that brought me to where I am now. I can still feel the carpet under my elbows. Um, when I was a kid, laying under the piano, looking at uh, James Taylor's Mudside Slim and The Blue Horizon and Carole King and re Tapestry and reading the album credits and listening and and dreaming of that as a, a ticket out of my little hometown, which, you know, three stoplights, really the middle of nowhere. And... You know, looking at Stevie Nicks and ballet slippers and dreaming of being that someday. And then, you know, and all the experiences growing up with all that music being the soundtrack to my life. And it, that is the story for all of us, I believe. You know, no matter what the kind of music, no matter what the style of music is, music takes us back to important moments or even the mundane moments in our lives. We can smell where we were. We can remember what we were wearing. You know, it's... It's just um, uncanny how music can do that. I don't know if there's anything else that can do that, that can take us back um, to a time and place the way that music does. It's frankly, Cheryl, quite ridiculous that you have basically kind of um, been able to live the fantasy that all of us have when we're little and growing up and, and sort of admiring like the big rock stars on album covers. You know, you made that happen. Like you were looking up to James Taylor and Stevie Nicks on album covers, and now they are on your album threads. Like that's just, it's, do you ever stop and go, holy crap? Like, like, or you do know, you, are you just like, no, nah, this do is it just every my day. life. Okay. No, I, I do it every day. And that's really what this record is all about. I mean, it's, it's, you know, not only does it pay homage, but for me, the, the whole experience was extremely emotional and, it, it, and filled with gratitude and, and, and really filled with just almost disbelief. I mean, you know, I, I think the older I get, the more, um, the more intact my original self is for me, you know, I'm, I'm raising two boys. I'm seeing the world again through their eyes and, um, and I'm, I'm introduced every day to what it's like to be young. And it brings back, so much for me and there's so many threads on this record I mean obviously that's the reason I've called it Threads I'm wondering um, because there are so many um, collaborators on the album and not even just I mean even if we go sort of below the sort of the artist line there are people that are the players on the album, um, that are the keyboardists and guitarists and backing vocalists, that when you look through the liner notes, you were like, oh my God, these are huge people too. I mean, at least I was doing that. I mean, just anyone, go look at the liner notes. Um, I'm wondering, and I'll ask you before I guess, 
who is the person on the album that you've had the longest kind of, you know, relationship, friendship, working relationship with? And then I'll guess if if you say something that wasn't my guess, if you can guess at this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, certainly Jeff Trott, um, who I refer to as my musical husband. I've written most of the songs I've recorded in, in my career with him, you know, either by myself or with him. Um He's and he's a fantastic guitar player. So he's he's throughout the record. Um, when did you meet Jeff, by the way? I met Jeff in 1990. I've got 90, you beat. I've got I've got you 92? beat already. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. OK. Who? There, Greg Fillingains. Oh, my gosh. Yes. OK. So Greg Fillingains. Yes. He goes all <laughs> the way back to 1987. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, actually, truth be told, there are. People on there that I've known longer than I've known Jeff. I mean, I've known Waddy Wachtel for, um, I mean, I met him um, in L.A., you know, years ago. I met Steve Jordan years ago. And, I mean, there are people that go all the way back. And I tricked so you. I tricked many- you. It was I, I realized it was a technicality, <laughs> so I tricked you a little bit. Yes. I mean, actually, Greg is is as important as any of the artists on this record for me because, during the um, Jackson tour, he um, he spent countless hours with me on a four track, just kind of giving me his philosophies in not only writing, but orchestration in um, um, arranging. And I have, you know, tons of cassette tapes of him, you know, giving me pointers and doing examples and stuff. So, I mean, he's he's been He's been wow. um, a real ally. He, he was helping you like sort of create process. your demo recordings. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yes. Yeah, he was. And he was also like, you know, he played on so many recording sessions. And, you know, it goes all the way back to when he was like 17 with Stevie Wonder. And yeah. He would show me like, you know, when you're recording, and you're doing keyboard parts. You, you know, sometimes you can create musical hooks that are as important as the actual, you know, uh, song hooks. And so um yes yeah wow. he's very very important for for people listening just so they can sort of catch up on what Cheryl and I have been kibitzing about uh Greg Filling Gaines plays guitar and keyboards on the story uh, of everything on threads and Cheryl toured with him um on Michael Jackson's bad tour in, in 87 88 and 89 Greg was in the band Cheryl did backing vocals um so it was a trick question sort of but that just that just sort of shows you kind of like the breadth of the people that you've worked with and that you've encountered in 30 plus years of your career um an, another person kind of like that but not really it's Don Henley which oh yeah I've got a burning question and this is like a super geeky question um, you've done backing vocals for Don. He's done backing vocals for you. Um, you were on his The End of the Innocence album in 1989. You also did backing vocals on Sometimes Love Just Ain't Enough uh, with him and uh, blah, blah, blah. And now he's on this album. But he doesn't get sort of like proper featured artist credit. He's in the liner notes as a backing vocalist um, on the song Cross Creek Road. And I'm wondering, just wondering, and I don't yes. need to put you on the spot, was Don just like, nah, I'm good. You don't have to give me, you know, fabulous artist credit. Just put me as a backing vocalist. Or w- was that a t- difficult negotiation? <laughs> no, he, yeah, you know, he was. That's what he asked for. He said, like, just, be, just, um, I don't, I don't want to be featured. Just, you know, list me as backing vocalist. And I, I get that. I totally get it. And I also want to honor everyone. I mean, he's, 
he's done um, duets with me. I, I think on my it was uh, come on, come on on that on that album. I on think. my come on, come on record, he did a duet with me, and he's really been there with me through the years. And um, you know, and he knows, and I even talk about it in the liner notes how instrumental he was um, with my getting not only getting a record deal, but really just thinking of myself as an artist and not letting my songs go out to other people. So um, I do think that he's got uh, one of the most incredible voices that ever was. I mean, in whatever genre you're talking about, his voice transcends genre. There is a train that's heading straight to heaven's gate. You said recently, I think, and you going into this project that this would be your your, fir- your last kind of full length album piece of work, like in a full body project sort of thing. That was very descriptive. Um, but you'll still do music. You'll still make music. You'll still do songs and maybe sort of bite sized, you know, EP sort of things. Is that is that decision more about sort of like the shifting landscape and how people consume music, or was that just more of a creative decision? That, that you decided to make or are you and are, or are you not sticking to that are you have you decided to do something else well i mean i i'll tell you i'll tell you the experience with it my, my experience was i was standing in the recording booth and it was you know it was it was pretty late at night i mean late for me now is like nine o'clock um because i've got little boys and we're up at six fifteen. look and i'm there i, I don't have re- any kids that's late for me <laughs> <laughs> But we uh, we were I was trying to put my voice um, on Redemption Day with Johnny, and um, the way that I had it at that time was that he was all the way through it, and I really didn't want to sing on it. I wanted it to just Steve kept saying, "This is not the Johnny Cash record. This is the Sheryl Crow record, and you have to put your voice on it." So I went in. It was my third try on it, just trying to find my way in, and I was singing the song with him and felt like I had found my in, and I could hear him in my ears. And it just felt, it felt different for me. It felt profound. I felt, I mean, he just seemed so present in my ears and in the room that when I was done with it, I, I told Steve, I said, I I just feel like this is it. I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm done with making albums in their entirety and I can rest easily now knowing that I've, I've made an album that to me is really the summation of, of my, I mean, of my life and, um, you know, never say never. I do think technology, the way that it is, you can spend a lot of time and emotion and, and, and quite a lot of money as well making albums. Um, and then people don't listen to them in, in not, not only in their original form, but even as an album in, in its entirety. So, um, I, I feel like in some ways it's wonderful to go out with this being my last full artistic statement, but it's also in another way, um, liberating to say, okay, I'm going to write songs and as they come and as they feel timely, um, and important, I'll put them out and I won't wait to make an, a complete state, you know, a complete artistic statement before I, I get to put something out. So that's, that's my you know, that's, that's my story and I'm sticking with it okay. at this moment. So this will be the last one. And to, to sort of bring this full circle, you know, we're talking about how this is possibly your last album. I, I want to talk about your first album um, because 
It was 25 years ago this week. It was a big week for you on the Billboard charts because Tuesday Night Music Club hit the top 10 on the Billboard 200 chart. And at the same time, All I Want to Do hit number one on our Pop Songs chart, which is also known as our mainstream top 40 airplay chart. So I'm wondering, 25 years ago, and you know, sort of looking back and now 25 years later, is your career kind of everything that you maybe foresaw it to be or could be, you know, 25 years ago? Oh my goodness. It's, it's so much more, you know, um, it's, I don't know what I thought it was going to be like my, my only references, um, because I grew up at a time when yes, you had albums, but also you didn't have cable TV. You didn't have MTV VH1. I mean, really the only time to see music TV was Friday night, uh, Friday night special and, you know, Dick Clark on Saturday morning. And I mean, I sound like a dinosaur, but I am kind of a dinosaur. And, you know, a lot has changed in, I mean, lots changed in the last 10 to 15 years, let alone the last 25 years. But I grew up looking at magazines and listening to records, looking at photos. Um, and what I thought it was going to be like was based on that and reading about these people's journeys and looking at, you know, Led Zeppelin standing in front of a a private plane and um, watching Friday Night Special and seeing, you know, uh, um, Fleetwood Mac. And it, it, you know, so it was based on that and which is a very romantic way to look at what my career when I set out to do it was going to was going to be like. Everything is so different um, from what I imagined, for one thing, because everything's so different. Yeah. But um, but it's incredible. I mean, I, I got to come up when um, people bought records. I, I got to watch my first record sell 8 million copies, which you, you can't see that anymore. Um, I got to start out in a van and, you know, celebrate getting an RV and then really celebrate getting a tour bus, <laughs> watch my watch my my uh, fan base go from like 10 to a thousand to 10,000, you know, and, um, and, and I got to watch that in real time. You know, now you can be on a TV show and you can have, you know, 3 million people download your song in one night before you even have an album. So it's, it, everything is so different, but all I can say is that my journey has been uniquely mine and fantastic. It's not been without its low, low lows, but the highs have been, um, spectacular. So, um, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything, and it's it's been an incredible uh, career and journey for me. Well, uh, thank you so much for your time, Cheryl. I think that's a great way to end this conversation. I appreciate you. Um, well, A, I just appreciate you, and I also appreciate you for taking uh-huh. the time to, to speak with with me today, and um, much success uh, with with this album going forward, and, and it's just such a great album, and it's so much fun, and there's a little something for everyone on it. And yeah, so thank you so much. Well, thanks for talking with me. It's, it's been a lot, of, a lot of fun. Hopefully we'll talk again before three years. Yeah, well, hopefully we can make that happen. <laughs> well, or we'll just see you in another three years and we can, we can exactly. just, we can just make we'll it an anniversary. Yeah, sure. we, <laughs> yeah. we could just do that too. Not even record it. We can just hang out. Oh, that'd be great. All right. Thanks so much, Cheryl. All right. Thank you. Bye.
Thanks so much to Cheryl Crow for taking the time to call in, and it, hopefully we can uh, get back together in less than three years. And maybe Keith and Katie can both be in the interview. Yeah, at well, some point. It just never. It, it just <laughs> didn't pan out the last time. She just. She also mentioned that we could just do coffee. Oh, just, <laughs> and just hang and like not do a, like an interview. You even baked in a chart stat to your interview, Keith. That's true. I baked in a chart stat of the week, sort of. It just conveniently worked out that 25 years ago this week was sort of a big week for Cheryl on our charts, as you just heard. So I'm not going to do a second chart stat of the week. It's kind of great. Our show comes out on Tuesday, and it's Tuesday Night Music Club, too. <gasps> Honestly, we probably should have just called our podcast Tuesday Night Music Club. Ooh. It's the Tuesday it's Morning Music Tuesday, Club. Tuesday mu- Morning Podcast. Now we really have to get the podcast up in the morning, don't we? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, well... I think we've reached the end of our big Cheryl Crow show. I agree. The Cheryl show? Yes. Have we heard enough Cheryl yet? Because if we haven't, I have a suggestion. Um, Well, what song should we go out on? I mean, I love so much Cheryl, but let's just go out with All I Want to Do. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. See you guys next time. Bye. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.